this week all right it it um I, you know you know a really interesting thing that uh, a guy that I ran into the other day Dylan Brown introduced me to him and um he so it's just just a, this is a fun fact I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you a fun fact I, I wish I could do this every week but I don't normally have fun facts every week um but this is a good one so so there's a guy I was introduced to this last week and um he anybody ever heard of chemtrails chemtrails you said that yeah oh Justin oh yeah Justin yeah he, he works for the airline so you've heard of chemtrails right okay so they're they're like the things that planes let off in the air that you see and they're like the little designs in the air you know all that stuff well this guy thinks that the government is controlling the weather through chemtrails. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, sure enough. I mean, there's guys out there that believe that stuff. Anyway, he's like, yeah, it's been raining for like the last month because they've been making it rain for the last month with these chemtrails that they're letting out. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw it out there that it has indeed been raining for the last month, or well, three months, I feel like. Um, but the reason it's been doing that is the government is behind it. There was a major plot, and it's through Justin's place of employment that's doing it all. And, huh? Oh, he's in on it. So if you have any complaints, take them. Justin's part of the complaint department. Take it up with him. Yeah, yeah. It's just, Justin is going to be, yes. Taking suggestions for next week's weather. That is classic, yes. So, anyway, there was my fun fact for today, and um, it, it has. I feel like it's been raining forever, like Forrest Gump kind of raining going on around here. But uh, anyway, so outside of that, we had a couple of really beautiful days, and uh, so today uh, wasn't too hot, but that rain and the lingering of the rain is just a crazy deal right now. But... Uh, Anyhow, outside of that, I hope you had a good day so far. Um, let's uh, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to we're we're gonna we're gonna continue this whole leadership, uh, he, uh, excuse me, humility in leadership, and um, kind of see what that looks like from a biblical point of view because we can come up with our own ideas of leadership. And I'll give you, you say, why you know we're not all in leadership, but you know I'll give you I'll give you kind of a a primary definition, and then I'd like to give you some practical applications of the definition uh, that you can take with you and you can actually apply uh, to various areas, so uh, the principle, if you would. So let's pray. Father, uh, Lord, we love you and thank you for today and, and thank you for just being good to us and, and Lord, just being faithful uh, in everything. Thank you, Lord, for this past Sunday and, and Lord, helping us and giving us exactly what we needed. Um, Lord, thank you for Justin and, and his investment in our church. And Lord, I, I just pray that you bless him and, and their, their, uh, their gathering tonight. Lord, he, their, their church and they're doing their thing. So I, I pray that you bless him and, and use them tonight. Lord, help us and uh, God bless our church. And, and Lord, may we be honoring to you in all that we do. And Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, um, we started last week with this whole humility and leadership aspect, and, and we brought it uh, from 1 Peter chapter number 5. And what's, uh, you know, I said this last week, uh, there is varying types of leadership. Uh, I, I have been involved in some leadership and uh, in, in, in these varying, uh, varying levels and degrees of leadership that were what I would say volatile. They're, they're you know, they, they was anything but... Uh, but good, and they were anything but humble. They, there is what, what I had been raised in as far as ministry leadership was. There's two sides of the equation. One was a, like a domineering type of leadership, and you know what I say goes, ruled iron fist thing. And then there's the deceptive kind of leadership, and the the deceptive leadership uh, is no different than the domineering leadership. It just goes about different ways of getting the same thing accomplished one it 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 is out front and one's hidden one's out front where everybody can see it and the other one it's in the backdrop 
and it's working the various angles, angles in pragmatic ways to get done what needs to be done. So both of them are volatile. Both of them are, are at their core. Their, 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 their origins is sin. They're, they're very sinful. And, um, but I, I will say this, um, we, meet, we need to make sure that we have a perspective, a biblical perspective on leadership that is grounded and in, in founded in, in humility. You say, well, what, what is what, is what in, in, if you, we're going to read 1 Peter 5, and what you're going to see is there, there is a lot of this that's directed to pastors and elders within a church. But I, I want you to make sure that you understand. I'm going to say this again, but on the front side, we need to make sure leadership is for anyone that's leading. And not just in a church, but anyone that has someone following them. So all of the principles that we're going to use tonight, you're, you're going to be able to apply them with anybody that has somebody following them. Uh, so, so somebody, you know, you're in here and you're a parent you got somebody following you your spouse believe it or not it don't it don't matter who who the spouse is uh but there's times when i follow my wife and there's times where where my wife is 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 completely following me and you say what why 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 would you be following why? well you know she's she's actually a part of the body of christ as well and you know what uh we're, we're going to get into that here in a few minutes but we're we're to be servants to the body of Christ, right? We're we're to prefer the body of Christ above ourselves. So there there's there's place for all of that in principle. So I, I want you to make sure you get this. Second uh, Corinthians thirteen and verse ten. This is kind of the launch verse for last week, and and I'm, I'm gonna try I'm gonna try my best to get to the second part of last week's message because we didn't even make it through that whole thing. Uh, he says, therefore, I write these things, being absent, lest uh, being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given, uh, hath given me to edification and not to destruction. So why is, why is this one verse such a big deal? Well, one, he's dealing with the Corinthian church. He's dealing with a really carnal place. But two, it does tell you that even though he's dealing with a really carnal church in terms of ministry leadership, he, he, he doesn't... He doesn't use his power. And, and what kind of power is this? This is a God-given power. The Apostle Paul has been given a power from the Lord. Make sure you understand that. What, 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 is, so big, what is such a big deal about this verse is that Paul has this power from the Lord. And he says, the Lord hath not given me this power to destroy you. But God's given me this power to edify you, to build you up. So any, and now this could be a principle of its own. Any power given in the ranks of ministry has never been about destruction. None of it. It's never been to destroy. Any position you hold in a ministry setting, none of it has been about destruction. Well, what about that part? To where it says, you know, that you're to put, there is a place and a time for a believer to be put out of his church. Well, well you're destroying them. No, we're not, nobody's destroying, destroying the believer. It's for the destruction of the flesh. Amen? Maybe we need to go back over that section again. Uh, there, there is, all right, so we'll, we'll, you, we'll use what the Bible used in, in, in Corinthians. There was a son, and he was, uh, he was having a relationship with his dad's wife. Okay? If he didn't quit, and if them two didn't repent, guess who was to be put out of the church? Them two. Why? Because they're harmful to the body of Christ. And what did the Bible say? A little leaven leaveth the whole lump. Does that make sense? A little leaven, leaventh whole. Well, why would you do that? They, the best place for them to be is in church. No, it's not if they won't repent. It's the worst place for them to be. Why? Well, because a little leaven, leaventh the whole lump. Okay, see, so you, you put them out for the destruction of the flesh so that hopefully they find a place of repentance outside of here when they realize they've been separated from underneath the umbrella of the body of Christ and their brothers and sisters. Now, you say, well, that sounds awful harsh. Well, it, 
it would be it would be awful harsher for you to leave that same person in a church to keep doing what they're doing and at the same time you just let them run rampant with what they're doing. Why? Well, because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Amen? All right. So that's where we get this whole uh, church discipline as a whole thing. But 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 here here's here's at the same time, that is still not called destruction. In the eyes of the Apostle Paul, we're not destroying anything. What are we doing? Well, hopefully, if they'll repent, they'll be built up. And when they repent, we're going to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And we're going to consider ourselves, lest also we be tempted and do the same thing. Amen? All right? Man, y'all ain't, y'all ain't, y'all ain't jiving right there. Uh, so, 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 big deal. Um Ministry as a whole, ministry leadership, any position of ministerial leadership, anything you're doing, it's never been about tearing people up. It's always uh, tearing people down. It's always about being, being about building people up. So it, that that was that was Paul's approach. So we're going to approach that in terms of ministry uh, the same way as well. Uh, we're, we're, our leadership approach is either going to build people up or tear them down. And, and God gave us this, this, this power to understand that we can do what we want to do with it. We can tear people down or we can build people up. I've seen people in this room as well as myself. I have used my God-given power to tear people down when I got my flesh instead of building them up. And it's wrong. There's some people that won't come to this church right now because some people, in even in this room, did a whole lot of tearing down and not much building up. So what 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 do we need what do we need to know about ministry leader uh, humility in in this area of leadership if we're not going to be those people if we're not going to be those people well we're we're we're, we're going to look at first uh, peter 5 and verse number 1 he says the elders which are among you I exhort you who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed so verse 1 he's he's addressing pastors and I am a pastor I'm a, I'm an elder He's kind of giving his credentials about the whole thing. Um, and I said it before and I'll say it again. That this is two pastors, uh, but this is two leaders or those who've got people following them. And we're going to take this principle for all of us in this room that may have somebody following us. And you can, you can, you can do with these what you want to do, but you, here's what you can't do. You can't say they don't apply to you specifically uh, because everybody in this room uh, probably has somebody following them for one. And God gave pastors as examples and in samples that, that we're, we're supposed to. Now, we don't always do it, and, and sometimes we just do really bad, a really bad job at it. But we're supposed to be exampling what it looks like for the body of Christ to do what God's called all of us to do. Right? Amen? Okay, so if all of us are supposed to do this, then, then all of us are supposed to do it. All of us are supposed to do this thing. So, uh, what what does it say? It says, well, ver, uh, verse 2 says, Feed the flock of God which is among you. Feed the flock of God which is among you. And we, we looked at John 21 last week, and this is not the first time this phrase has come up in Peter's life. Peter has uh, Peter has denied the Lord three times after he said he wouldn't deny the Lord, said so he was going to die for the Lord. He's denied the Lord three times. He decides he's not gonna. Uh, he decides his denials too much for him to take. He we, uh, wept bitterly and runs off. Anyway, he goes back fishing. Y'all know that whole story. Then John twenty one comes about where the Lord calls Simon Peter out three different times, and he questions his love for him three different times. But those three different times, as he is questioning his love for him, he ties this one thing back to Peter. He says. All right, you say you love me, and I, here's what I want. I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to feed my lambs. All right, you say you love me. I want you to feed my, I want you to feed my sheep. You say you love me. I want you to feed my sheep. So, so what happens is the Lord is going to love Peter regardless, but Peter now is at a proving stage of his life to where he's saying he loves the Lord, and the Lord wants to know how much he loves him by how willing he is to feed his sheep. 
So Peter could have left out that day, and, and guess what? Not fed the sheep. Not fed God's sheep. And guess what? Peter's love would have been known. Does that make sense? You would have known how much Peter loved God by how willing he was to obey the command to feed his sheep. Well, you say, I, I, I don't, you know, Peter's bothered just like any of us in here would be bothered. If the Lord come to us and say, man, do you love me? Do you really love me? And look, praise the Lord that he does that. I mean, he does it to me. Do, do you, man, do you really love me? Yeah, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. I'll be reading this book and God just pounds me in the sand. I mean, like, what in the world, Lord, what is going on? Like, what, do you really love me? Okay, well, you, all right, we'll feed my sheep. Well, this is what Peter's got to do. Peter's got to feed the sheep that God's called him to feed. And he wanted to see where his willingness was. And, and I said this, I, I, I think this is a very big part of this. Willingness and ability have nothing to do with each other. Willingness and ability are two different things. Because there's some of you in here. No, I, I don't mean this. I don't mean this ugly. Some of you in here don't have any ability, in terms, of, in especially formal ability, in terms of feeding God's sheep. But God is not worried about anybody's ability. What is God worried about? God's worried about your willingness. God don't give two rips about your ability. Just like God didn't give two rips about my ability, God saved me, and I didn't have any, I mean, I for real didn't have any ability. But God didn't care about my ability to feed sheep. He cared about my willingness to feed sheep. And that's what it, it got, that's the only thing God cares about. We can say that we don't have the ability to do whatever we say we don't have the ability to do, but at the end of the day, God don't care what you have the ability to do. He cares what you're willing to say yes to. What you're willing to say no to is where God draws the line. It's called rebellion. And so, so God, God calls Peter out and he says, All right, you, 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 you got to feed my sheep. Well, what does Peter say? Peter says, Here, here's the elders uh, that are, are among you. I exhort whom also an elder of the witness sufferings of Christ. And he goes down, he says, verse 2, he says, Feed the flock of God which is among you. So I want you to feed, I want you to feed the flock of God which is among you. So here's this leadership 101 principle in terms of uh, leading in ministry and, and, and leading humbly in ministry is, is to feed the flock of God is, which is among you. So the ones that are among, not the ones that ain't among you, but the ones that are among you, I want you, I want you to feed them. We don't got time to, to go through all of this, but uh, again, uh, but, but I made this observation last week. A spiritual leader who does not feed those they lead does not love the Lord, nor those they lead. A spiritual leader who does not feed those they lead does not love the Lord, nor those that they lead. That goes for every single dad in the room who's been called to be the leader of their home, number one. That's like a double whammy, right? Amen? That's like a, that's like a, a double. <laughs> it's like doubling. That's like God doubling up here. All right. God's already called us to be leaders, and then, so, so we just double down on that thing. And, 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 and the spiritual leader who does, not, who does not feed those they lead does not love the Lord. And so how do you know that? Well, John 10 tells us a, about a good shepherd and it talks about the good shepherd giving his sheep for giving his life for the sheep. Um, verse 12 he says, but he uh, that is a hireling and not a shepherd whose own sheep are not seeing a, seeth a wolf come in and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth, uh, catcheth them and scatter, uh, scatter the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. So, so the shepherd cares so much for the sheep that he gives his life for the sheep. That he's going in to defend the sheep. Well, that's what a shepherd is. He's giving his life for the sheep. Now, if you love the sheep, you'll, you'll care for the sheep. And it just so happens caring for the sheep is, is, is feeding them. Um, so there's a difference between a hireling 
and a shepherd. It'll be like that for you. It, 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 it'll be a, there's a difference between and you say, Hi, well, I ain't getting paid to do this. No, you're not getting you're not getting paid to feed sheep. But the moment God the moment God quits blessing you, and you feel like your payment's running short, you quit feeding them sheep. Feel like God ain't God ain't sprinkling down the blessings that He once was. Well, this ain't what I thought. Well, well, you know what? I'm I, I'm not gonna be able to be there this Sunday. I got something to do. Man, I'm not gonna be able to do this. I'm not gonna be. Able, why is this thing? Why is this thing just so bad? I'm not gonna be able to do this. I'm not gonna be. Able, what what is what is that about? Well, it's your payment that you feel like God owes you. I, I know that's that's a that's a kind of a sobering truth, but it's the real truth as to why people quit on ministry when they feel like God ain't giving them their due. They roll out. They just they're hirelings. Well, God's blessing me, so I got to go do something. What God's blessing me? What about when it ain't all rainbows and unicorns, man? What about when cancer comes? What about when 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 you can't pay your bills? What about when your kids have gone crazy? What about when it's just bad? When it's everything around you is just bad, and you know that this book has still got to go forth. Real shepherds don't care about how bad it is. They don't care that it's raining. They don't care that it's thundering. They don't care that it's lightning. They don't care that they stepped in a hole and twisted their ankle. They don't care that they're sick if there's a wolf around the corner. They don't care. <laughs> it's one of those deals. What, what do they care about? They care about making sure the wolf don't get the sheep and devour them. Real shepherds ain't, ain't real popular, and they wasn't real popular in that day. Real shepherds were like scum of the earth, as a matter of fact, because they kept sheep. Sheep were dirty and sheep aren't, you know, all that good stuff. It's, it's funny, though. Um, you know, I was thinking about this in terms of my kids. God started out and he told Peter, I want you to feed my lambs. How many of you understand that there's a difference in raising your kids when they're two and three, one, two, and three, versus those of you that's got kids this old, versus raising your kids that are 17 years old? One, two, and three? Like you, you carrying a chainsaw, switchblades, you know, everything. You're like, don't even look at my kid the wrong way. Like I, I'm not subjecting them to nothing that could. Well, here's the deal: when they're 17. I don't know if you know this or not, but they're they're on a track that a lot of their thoughts and opinions about life have been formed in those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven year old range. Well, you've done subject them to public school. <laughs> if you've subjected your kids to public school and, and, and they're seven, and, and 17 years old, uh, guess what? And you've, you've done a lot. They've seen a lot more than you realize. They've witnessed them doing stuff in the bathroom you, you never thought they'd be doing. They're doing stuff on buses now that you just never thought they'd be doing. They, listen, I, I, they, they're, they're having more gender dysmorphia than you've ever than you, than the news will ever give you an actual account of. I taught an assistant principal yesterday at Paulding County High School and he said you would not believe the things that he's having to deal with right now that he never thought he'd have to deal with. But here's the deal. Lambs got to be you you got to deal with lambs on a different level than you got to deal with sheep. Right? Over there in Iwana, over there in children's church. <laughs> that I mean, that's a whole nother animal. Why? Well, if you offend one of these little ones, it's better that a millstone be hanged about your neck and you be cast into the sea. That's what Jesus Christ said. Right? So so he's giving Peter some like 
pretty good understanding. This is a big undertaking. And guess what? It's a big undertaking for you. It's a big deal to feed lambs that grow up in the sheep. And you've got to keep feeding them. But you've got to make sure you're feeding them as lambs. Right? Amen? As babes. All right? So, so we're to feed sheep. All right? So we're to feed sheep. Well, what's the second thing we're supposed to do? We're supposed to lead sheep. We're supposed to lead the sheep. Uh, we feed the sheep, and, and then we're supposed to lead the sheep. Well, how do we how do how do we do that? Well, we we do it like this. Second part of verse number two: not by constraint, but willingly; not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Being in samples to the flock. And what what happens? Well, when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And so I want to look. I want to look at some things. Give you some contrast here. Uh, make, make sure you get that this is what to do and what not to do. The first, uh, we feed sheep. Um, but then there's some what to do's and what not to do's. Okay? There's some things we're supposed to do and there's some things we're not supposed to do. Well, what are, what are we not supposed to do? Um, we're, we're not supposed to lead forcefully. Spiritual leaders must not lead forcefully. Well, what, what, what classifies forcefully? Look, look what it says. Um, Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint. Not by constraint. Now remember, I, I told you I told you before, uh, there are people in my life that I've been a part of that, that took it by constraint. Um, and, and and that that wasn't that wasn't actually what was supposed to happen. Amen. You're supposed to take the oversight thereof, but it wasn't supposed to be by constraint. That that idea of constraining somebody to do something that they didn't want to do. Does that make sense? Okay, you can't make anybody do anything they don't want to do unless you hold them under the bondage somehow or another in doing something that they don't want to do. I mean, have you ever heard a story? You ever heard the stories about uh, girls being kidnapped when they were real young and they were, they were, they were uh, conditioned to stay within that environment. I'm talking about they were turned loose from the house, they were going to the grocery stores, they were doing all this stuff. Do, but they were conditioned right here. In their mind, they were handicapped and constrained to that person. Does that make sense? They that Listen, do you, do you realize that can happen in here? That, that's why he said, hey, you're not supposed to lead like that. And guess what? We're not supposed to lead like that in our own homes. I mean, you know, there's an element that our kids they ought to be scared to death that we're going to kill them for doing something stupid. Like, but our understanding of taking the oversight, here it is, it's not by constraint. You're not there to, to berate. We're, not, we're, we're there to lead. Well, spiritual leaders, they don't lead for, forcefully. Now, what, what does that mean exactly? Well, I think it means... Uh, we're not to abuse the God-given ability, the God-given authority, that the, uh, the, the, the God-given authority in forcing people to do things. So God, God ain't no, God's the only one with any unlimited power, right? Everybody understand that? Well, God's the only person with unlimited power and unlimited authority. So uh, mandatory, this mandatory culture system. That, that seems to that seems to be prevailing in, in a lot of places it just don't work why well because you can't make people be something they don't want to be so okay so spiritual leaders they they must lead uh, not not forcefully but they must lead voluntarily look, look what it says but willingly so so we're to take the oversight willingly not or, or, or voluntarily, so one, one is leading uh, by con, uh, one one leads, and he, he does it through constraints, which is derived from a culture of law. Okay, constraints are are, are derived from a culture of law. Right. Brooks is is if you had to constrain anybody this week, just a handful. Uh, Brooks Brooks has had to constrain a few people this week. And because they broke the what? The, because they broke the law. But now, now remember, 
when we're, when we're leading in humility, in leadership, it ain't always our loss, right? It's, it's, it's not about why. Well, because we're not the ultimate and unlimited authority. So, a person that's going to lead willingly leads through a culture that, that has grace on the front end. They're, they're going to have grace on the front end, okay? So, spiritual leaders uh, must not lead selfishly. We, I used this a little bit earlier, not for, fi- not for filthy lucre. They must not lead uh, selfishly. Well, what, what should they, how should they lead? Lead. Now, I'm going gi- to give you why the, this contrast between filthy lucre uh, and, and a ready mind. I want you to see that spiritual leaders must lead of a clean mind. Of a clean mind. Uh, look, look what it says. But of, go, go back to that. that uh, oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind. So they're, they're, they're to lead a, of, a, of a ready mind. You say, how does this apply to us who ain't getting paid? Again, you, you, don't, have, you don't have to get paid to see God is paying you. It just, it, I, I mean, it's the way, way we're geared. It's the way some of us are geared. Now, what, what is this filthy lucre? Well, it's dishonest gain. Filthy, filthy lucre is dishonest gain. They were not to lead for this kind of filthy lucre or dishonest gain. Now, now I'll, let me say this. Is all money given to pastors filthy lucre? Is it all filthy gain? No. It's only filthy if they're doing it for a dishonest gain. If they're doing it dishonestly for a dishonest gain, then, then it absolutely is filthy. So, so instead... Uh, they should be willing. Here, here it is. All right, this is this is a good overarching premises for it. Instead, they should be. We should be willing to serve of a ready mind. Here it is. Apart from any dishonest gain. So separate, separate yourself in leading from any dishonest gain. I'm talking about any dishonest gain. Filthy lucre is dishonest gain. But separate yourself from leading in leading from any dishonest gain. So if it's going to gain you anything, and it's going to be dishonest. And a dishonest gain on your part. Well, you're not leading of a ready mind. You're not leading of a mind that's ready to serve the Lord apart from dishonest gain, filthy lucre. Well, I, 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 I think I, I, I don't think I, I lead a, a, of a, you know, out of dishonest gain. Well, I'm, I'm not asking if you do or not. I, I think that's between you and the Lord. But remember, these principles apply across the board. Man, any, listen, it works like this. Any husband... Any husband that leads and commands to gain something in a dishonest way is leading a filthy for filthy lucre. I, I know you're like, man, how, how did you run around there to get that? There's some people that lead in ministries. You know what they like? Here's what they like. Are you ready for this? They like to be able to say they're leading. And guess what that is? That's a pride problem. And it's a gaining of pride. And it's a dishonest, it's a dishonest gain is what it is. It's filthy lucre. Why? Because it pays you in what you're looking to be paid. All filthy lucre ain't, and look, it, all filthy lucre in terms of how, in how you and I are wired, not everybody likes money. Some people like to be noticed. Some people like to be recognized. Some people like to be, oh, look at me, I'm doing this, look at me, I'm doing it. What is that? Well, it's dishonest. That's a gain in a dishonest way. And God don't like it. God's like, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. If you didn't get that, would you still lead? 
you didn't get the recognition, would you still leave? Would you would you still would you still do it if you if if you didn't get paid? Would you still do it? Right? If I didn't get paid, would I still do it here? Yeah, I, I would. I've already done that a bunch of times. <laughs> done it before, and you know, you you just never know. Uh, you ne- you never know how this whole thing will shake out in the end. You might have to, I might have to do it again. So uh, let me let me give you this next. So spiritual leaders, uh, go go to that next verse if you would. Verse three, neither be, uh, neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Uh, neither being uh, lords over God's heritage, but in samples to the flock. So spiritual leaders must not lead as sovereign. They must not lead as sovereign. So they're not lords over God's heritage, but they must lead by example. They must lead by example. So they're 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 to be examples to the flock. People. Uh, that lead as sovereign will develop a God complex. They will develop a God complex. And here it is. It's not my responsibility to make you do anything. That's God's job. What you're willing to submit to is what you, is what who you're willing to submit to is, is, is all on you. And if you're willing to submit the Lord, then, then, then it ain't my job to, it ain't my job to be God in your life. It's my job to tell you what God said. But don't look, look at verse four. This is, this is, this is pretty cool. Verse four. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So there is a group of guys. There's a group of, of elders. There's a group of pastors. Remember, we're addressing pastors, but the principle stands clear for you. There's a group of pastors that when the chief shepherd shall appear, they're not going to get the crown of glory. Why? Because they got their, their crown of glory here on this earth. They were lauded by men. They got what they were looking for on this earth. And as long as you're getting what you're looking for on this earth, you hear me want to say this, as long as you're getting what you're looking for on this earth, you'll never get it in that life. If you aim for, if you aim for the stuff that God is trying to give you in that life, if you're aiming for that in this life, you'll never get it in that life. Why? Because whosoever loses life in this one, man, guess what? He's going to gain it there. The first in this life is going to be the last in that one. And then the first that, that made themselves first in this life, in that life, no, there's, you're, you're last. You're in the back of the line. You want to make yourself first in this one? Guess what? You're going to be back yonder somewhere in this life. Why, why is that? Well, that's how God works. You see, humility is actually a trait. That every person in this room secretly desires to see in others more than we desire to see in ourselves. Man, we want man, we want we want to see humility in everybody way more than we want to see it in ourselves. <laughs> we, we we all know people that we, that we, we every person, everybody in this room, you know a person that you could say, Man, I really wish those people would get humble. Everybody in this room, you're like, man, it, uh, me too. I, I know I know some wicked people that I'm like, man, I, you know, I really wish they could be humbled. But when's the last time you just just sitting with the Lord, riding down the road, and you say, man, God, I, I really wish I could be humble. <laughs> you're like, nah, Lord, don't do that. I mean, then you do all kinds. You, you can give me new stuff, and you can do all you Let's just don't let's don't do that. Why? Because we know what happens when you, when when humbling comes, right? If you don't humble yourself, the Lord's got to do it for you. If you don't humble yourself, and well, I'm skipping ahead, but if you don't humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, guess who's going to do it for you? 
That's how it works. You do it or God's going to do it. See, humility is that one thing that it seems like when we get a position of leading that we feel like we don't need it. You know, I'm the leader now. I can't be, I, 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 can't, I can't be, I can't be humble. I, I, I can't be humble. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I got to lead now. You, you know, the way this American culture that we live in, they look at humility as a weakness. And, 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 and we all know, here's what, here's what else we know. We know that, that, the, 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 that American culture has been dry, the driving force in churches for the last hundred years. They, the, the American culture has been shifting our, our biblical culture into what, what they are. Why? Well, because we've, we've let the culture dictate who we are, right? And, and so what they've done is they painted this picture out that humility is actually a weakness. And so when we we come into a place of leadership, well, I can't be humble. Like, man, they're going to run over me if I'm humble. Man, they're going to they're do this if I'm humble. But, but the fact of the matter is, you can't glorify God without humility. You, it's, you're, it's an impossibility. You can't glorify the Lord without humility. And if you want to win with God... You're not going to do it apart from humility. You'll never win with God apart from humility. So uh, let me give you, let me give you, I don't know how long we got. We got a few minutes. Let's, let's, let's carry on. Go to uh, Proverbs chapter number 8 if you would, bro. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy. The evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. All right, what, what's evil? Pride. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You see them, them, them two dots there? Okay, they're fixing to give us what evil, they're fixing to define for us what evil is. What is evil? Pride. First on the list, man. Pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth. Very first one on the list, hardest one we deal with, what is it? It's pride. You ready? This is a good statement. Humility is a friend of God, and pride is one of its great. It was one of God's greatest enemies. Humility is a friend of God, and pride is one of God's greatest enemies. Dude, God hates my pride that bad. God hates it. God hates my pride that bad. God hates your pride. God hates your arrogancy that bad. God hates my arrogancy that bad. God hates my my evil way that bad. God that's God hates it. He said he hated it. He didn't say he didn't like I don't even think God hated it. I think God is love. Listen, the only way you know that God is love is that you know that God hates some things. The only way to really know what you love is to know what you hate. And God hates pride. Proverbs 6 and verse 16. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look. A proud look. What is a proud look? A proud look is a perspective of, of, of myself that we would say is very elevated. It's, it's a high look of myself that, that I should be considered and I should be thought about first. Then you know that I, I'm, I'm, I'm first. I, I, I should be considered first. I should be thought about first. That's what, that, that's what, that's what a proud look is. Not dare say, man, some of us, man, we, you know, we struggle with, a, with this prideful look. 
you know what? God hates it. God hates it. As a matter of fact, our pride, it causes God to move against us. Pride causes God to move against us. Like when our pride is involved, God moves against us. Anybody ever had God move against you? Yeah, man, anybody, anybody besides me? They ever done anything, God, you knew God was actively moving against you? You know, you, you know one, one, of the, one of the hardest things to recognize as a child of God and remember is there's going to be time as a child of God that God is moving against you. Well, God's always for us. Here, here's the thing. He, he is. But you know what? Even when I whoop my children, now I've whooped my kids In, in, in some ways that uh, the day and time in which we live in now, I mean, I, I'd go to jail. You say, well, you sound like you're proud of that. Oh, I, I got some pretty good kids. My, I'm going to tell you right now, it didn't take but one whooping from my granddaddy. One. It took one for me to realize I didn't want no more. He had, he had hands way bigger than mine. They had way more calluses on them than mine do. And, and they were, I mean, I mean, he would reach over and he would, if he needed to, he'd slap you in the mouth right in the middle of God and everybody. It took one for me to say, I ain't going to do that no more. You, you remember how, I mean, that, it, all it took was a look, Brother Sean, snap my fingers. Yes, sir. They won't, they won't be no more. There won't be no more of that. You say, what is that? It didn't take an, it didn't take many. It took one good one to say, all right, God, I, 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 Captain, I got you. Like, I'm, 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 snap, look, whatever you got to do, just don't do what you just did ever again. But you know what happens to the child of God? We forget that God chastens his own children. We forget that our pride causes God to pull out the rod of correction. And, and, and listen, guess what? That is a, that's against you at the moment. Like, all right, I'm, I'm doing this for your benefit, but it's going to hurt. That's what happens, right? God call, pride causes God to move against us. Why is that such a big deal? Well, because I, I think I think that we I think that even in, in in terms of leadership that we forget in this context of leading in ministry that if you get prideful you're gonna mess the church up. If I get prideful, guess who's gonna mess the church up? And I got news for you. I've been prideful and I've had to apologize for it. You've been prideful and you did a bunch of junk. You had to apologize for it. Well, you're, you're probably not right with God anyway. You probably need to find somebody to apologize to. So what does he say? What does he say? All right, let's, let's address some church stuff. I know it's getting time. Dylan's been really long-winded lately, so I get a pass. All right? Look what he says, real, real quick, and 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 we'll we'll finish up, uh, we'll finish up this part. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, are, are you ready? Ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Here it is. Yea, all of you, be subject one to another. And what is it? And be clothed with humility. Why? For God resisteth the proud. What, what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. Now, I'm, I, I don't have time to get into all this 
not gonna the the most ignorant people on the planet do some of the dumbest stuff on, on that you'll ever know in churches some man you're just like what what the world's going on but you know what I found out here's what I figured out brother Sean God gives grace to really stupid people that are humble they'll just fall on their face and get humble before the Lord God here's your grace but you know what happens with really prideful people they'd be smart as all get out they know that Bible frontwards and backwards they get really prideful. God's like, all right, I'm resisting you. I'm resisting you because of your pride. I'm going against you because of your pride. Your pride is causing me to go against you. And that's why he says, that's why he says, submit yourselves unto the other. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. So the whole body is supposed to be subject one to another. And you're supposed to be clothed with humility. Why? Well, because God operates. He operates in our church by giving grace to humble people. And if we're all under the umbrella of humility, then we all get what? We all get grace. And guess what? When we all get grace, guess what we all give? We all give grace. That's the way God works. But if you get prideful, God's like, all right, you tied my hands, buddy. You do what you got to do, but the pride is going to keep you from getting what you need, right? So in, in, in ministry leadership, first thing's got to be leading anywhere. Leading in, in leadership in general, having humility in leadership, and, and there's a lot more that we'll dive into uh, we'll dive into next time. But if, if you want to lead, you're going to have to have humility. If you want to lead in any place in your life, whether it's kids, whether it's church, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your friends, whatever it is, you're going to have to have humility. It don't matter where it is. It don't matter where it is. You've got to have humility. Uh, there's a lot more principles that we'll apply next time. Um, but let's pray tonight. And uh, um, I have not seen any kids yet, but they're mad. They're <laughs> Sean's mad because he didn't get to play the candy bar game tonight. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Let's, let's, uh, let's pray. Justin, why don't you pray for us?